What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Mongols Podcast, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. I'm Mike. With me is Kevin Josh. Welcome to the 2020 USL Championship season. We're going to talk all about the season awards, the importance of having your own field, and we'll chat with Pittsburgh Hotspurs coach Tomo to learn all about his take on local soccer, the organization's merger with Steel City FC, and more. Let's go! I think that's a great question. Now we got to get into the nitty-gritty. It just dawned on me since, you know, it's now 2020, I guess we need a new intro song, don't we? I disagree with your notion that it's 2020 right now. Well, it's the 2020 season, no, right? it's preseason. It's not even preseason yet. It's pre-preseason. <laughs> it's the yell at the USL to come out with a schedule season right now. And then it's preseason, and then it's the season. So, okay, so what happens first? Do we yell at the USL for a schedule or do we anxiously await the first signings and kit reveals what typically happens first i feel like those are the same season okay <laughs> yeah like yeah we're still in that you know hey let's wait and like get sad about who's not coming back and get happy about who is coming back and then kit reveals and then preseason games and yeah yeah we, there's a lot of stuff that has to happen before i can say it's 2020 i feel like we need a name for this season it's not preseason. It's not postseason. You mean a name, name for this part of the season? Yes. I yes. thought you were naming like the 2020 season. I was like, well, that's a first. No. <laughs> no. Could name no. the 2019 season. Uh, anyway, <laughs> that's that's another conversation. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know. I, I got nothing. Someone come up with a good idea and tweet us. Yeah, let us know. We need a good name for this season. Or not, well, this part of the season. Because I know Kevin's going to keep correcting me. <laughs> It feels weird to like officially close the book on 2020 after sort of the run the hounds went on. I, I went back to the USL championship site today to look for some information leading up to the show and to still see the hounds listed as the number one team in the East and the number one team in the power rankings and all of that. And to know that that's now behind us and mm-hmm. we're all on a level playing field. It's just, yeah. I don't know. Come on. Don't get too depressed. We still have the memories. That was a wild ride, right? Like, there were so many moments where we wouldn't trade for anything. Like, that was... I'm not not depressed. (laughs) I'm not depressed, he says, (laughs) depressedly. I'm I'm not depressed. You're depressed. Leave me alone. Okay, let's do this. Um, Before we do some hounds talk, let's talk about some other things. So, first of all, um, I mentioned uh, earlier last week that I had the opportunity to talk with Coach Tomo from Pittsburgh Hotspurs. For those who don't know, um, I think there was a lot of stuff going around about Hotspurs earlier this season when they were when they were playing. And uh, honestly, we didn't follow it too closely. I think we all sort of watched what was going on. We never really talked about it. Um, didn't really understand a ton about the organization. So I felt this was a really good opportunity to learn more about what they're doing. And so for those who don't know, Pittsburgh Hotspurs – is unique in that um, they currently provide a, uh, a system for youth players to play basically youth through basically pro. So they have a U18 or U8 through U18 system in both Harmerville and Butler. And then basically as you progress through that system, 
um, you also have the opportunity to go and play for the adult team. So in the case of the men's, it's NPSL, which is basically like fourth tier um, soccer in America. And now the big news is that uh, they have now merged, the Hotspurs have merged with Steel City FC, which obviously we talked a lot about this past summer. And so now Hotspurs as an organization has both a men's pro team and a women's pro team. Um, so overall, it's very interesting because it's, Kev, I think you asked the, the question off air, you know, is this a direct competitor for something like the Hounds Academy? And, um, and it sort of is, but at the same time, it seems like with the Hounds Academy, Josh, I think you said that sort of the goal there is often scholarships. So you get a scholarship, you go pay, play at college, things like that, where it seems like the Hotspurs goal is more or less to get players playing at a pro level at a younger age. Um, which is very different. It's very unique. So um, had a great conversation with Coach Tomo. Um, let's take a listen. Uh, as I mentioned, he is the Hotspurs club director and head coach of the women's. He's been the head coach of, of basically Steel City FC and now the women's team since 2018. He was in the car on his way to the NPSL owners meeting. Um, but uh, overall, great conversation. Let's let's take a listen. Coach, I know you're on the road and wrote en route to the uh, NPSL owners meeting. So I appreciate you taking time to talk with us and uh, welcome to the show. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. The big news, obviously, is that Steel City FC is now part of the Pittsburgh Hotspurs organization. How did this arrangement come about? Okay, so um, I started coaching for Steel City a couple of seasons ago. And, uh, um, you know, was the head coach and just just took it over because I I wanted to, um, you know, just further my own coaching experience. experience and and knowledge and uh you know as i got to um you know know the know the board there and and the people that were running it um and you know jordan who's the general manager also works in our in hotspurs and pittsburgh hotspurs mm-hmm. um we we just felt like there was a a lot of synergy and it's always been my goal to launch adult teams and we're probably about two or three years ahead of schedule um, and I, I say ahead of schedule lightly because we're really just diving into this now. But, um, you know, we're super excited about it. But, you know, the merger made a lot of sense just because it just enables us to still continue the good work that Steel City started. Um, but we're able to add the resources um, of the club into it just to make things you know, a little bit, a little bit easier on the people that were running Steel City, just because you know, at, in, at the youth club level, we've got quite a lot of kids, we've got a lot of engaged people that want to help, and we want to try and leverage that a little bit. So it was kind of a, a match made in heaven, really, to just keep things rolling, keep things rolling on, and um, a, like a merger that made sense. Really, I think that's a, a pretty good overview. So, so is sort of the big benefit for both organizations really sort of that shared managerial experience and resources and things like that to sort of keep operating costs down, but then also expand the knowledge base between both? Yeah, that, that's a really good way of putting it, exactly, yeah. Because, you know, going, going into it, I could see, you know, the stress that it was taking on, you know, certain people just to keep Steel City, you know, rolling on. And, you know, like I said, like we, we, it's just always our ambition to have adult teams at the top of our pyramid mm-hmm. just so that we could motivate the kids to, to try and play at, at a higher level all the time. 
you know, because if, if, if they don't know what the destination is, it's difficult to get there, you know? Right. So that, that was, you know, just a little piece, uh, you know, that, that seemed to make a lot of sense. We, we got a lot of feedback from the fans, and one of the biggest questions was, do we know, will the women's team still be known as Steel City FC, or are they going to take on the Hotspurs moniker? Yeah, so we're still, we're going to be called um, Pittsburgh Hotspurs. Um, we're planning some, you know, little pieces to keep some of the symbolism of the badge and that going on. Oh, cool. Um, and we're certainly going to um, have... Um, you know, a a lot of stuff in our marketing and our media just to highlight, you know, where we came from and that will stay forever, you know. Um, It's important that we uh, document, you know, the journey and how we got here because, you know, they've played a a huge part. And, and, you know, like like I said, we certainly don't want it to come across like, you know, it's just this big takeover. It's really a merger of of, of resources and and we, we have common goals you know we we want to work with good people and jordan and staff and the guys at steel city are just such good people and they could see how this this made sense to keep their mission going because we're, we're very on the same path when it comes to our mission and our objectives really oh that's really exciting uh, now now yeah I'm, I'm pumped to sort of see how this all plays out that's that's awesome um you mentioned sort of sharing yeah, resources I mean, um or go ahead yeah no i'm I was just going to say, I mean, you know, we just hope it's just a part of a common theme that youth clubs start adult programs. Um, you know, it's it's really important to us that, um, you know, we move the game forward in this country. And I, I've just come coming over here as an English guy, like just just saw, you know, the opportunity that, that is here, but just saw how confusing and all over the place, the development path is to the top. And, mm-hmm. you know, if we can play a little piece in trying to make it a little bit clearer, uh, for, you know, just for our members, and then hopefully other people, if we're successful, can, you know, copy the model. And, and um, you know, we're going to be very open source with what we're doing. And we want people to, to get on board and, and, and copy what we're doing because it just will make uh, the whole country better on an international level, which is, you know, everyone's everyone's goal here you know is to improve the the national team i i you know well i hope it is anyway (laughs) yeah no and i i want to talk about the the youth system for sure here in just a minute but i guess the one other question that we kept getting from fans was in terms of the women's and the men's team i think you guys played at the same facilities this past year is that going to continue will you be at the same spot or are you going to be somewhere else yeah we're all going to be at the same spot so um right now we're uh sorting a deal out to improve our own facilities at Founders Field and, uh, you know, put turf down. And um, that's what, that's going to be the home for, um, you know, for both teams. And, you know, we want, you know, facilities was really the next step um, on our, you know, in our business plan. Mm-hmm. And then once the facilities were set, we were going to launch the adult teams. But now we've gone <laughs> kind of the other way around a little bit just because, the opportunity, the opportunities presented themselves, and sometimes you just have to act, you know. And um, so, yeah, we're going to have both facilities going on, and we want to really make Founders Field a real place where high-level sports is delivered. That's great. 
Um, and you know, you, you you talked a little bit about sort of the pyramid going from the youth all the way up to the pro level. We haven't really talked much about the, how, the Hot Spurs youth system. Give the listeners your sales pitch as to why they should consider Hot Spurs over something like their local youth organizations. Um, I, I think with um, certainly the one of the only clubs in Pittsburgh that's tried to create you know a clear pathway. Um, I think from looking, from being in Pittsburgh for the last 12 years, um, you know, it never has seemed to change in Pittsburgh. You know, it seems like the general idea is that most clubs, their goal is to try and keep uh, a group of kids with a coach for as long as they'll allow the kids to, you know, to, to, to stay with that person before they get sick of him. Mm-hmm. And um, it's kind of just really like, quite fascinating to me where it's like that and we've gone for a school approach in, in the in the way that we set our phases up and we pass the kids through phases to um to coaches that are matched up to that level of of um, age development so you know we have those characters and those clowns in the foundation phase you know to get people excited about the game and then you know we progress them on to you know um people that can work with teenagers and then young adults you know, the other piece of the adult teams is that one of my, you know, observations over here is that no one seems to um, play against adults until they are 18, 19, 20. And how many times are we seeing all over the world 15, 16-year-olds playing at the international level even, mm-hmm. you know, at times now? So it just was a really big thing for me. That, that was a big part of my development when I was 16, playing against adults. Um, and and I don't see why that shouldn't be the same over here. Um, so we want to we want to integrate our academy and our development model into the adult teams and give give, give kids um, you know experiences to help them grow. And like last year, we already had like a 15 year old, uh, a couple of 16 year olds making minutes at the NPSL level and doing well. Um, and you know that's just part of um, of them of them growing. We hope that we can just show some coaches that, you know, we've got got players that, you know, aren't in the DA or any of the ECNL, but they can still play at a very high level. Um, we hope that's what the, the adult teams will be able to offer to our to those older players. So, you know, that was a long answer to, to, to your kind of question about, you know, the sales pitch. But I feel like we're a, a model that can serve all levels of player like, really well. No, that's fantastic. And I mean, you can you can hear the passion in your voice as you're talking about the system and and sort of trying to do it the right way as you see it. So, you know, kudos to you for for sort of coming over and spotting that hole and and filling it and creating the opportunities for like you said, the youth to go from beginning all the way up through and then, you know, playing against adults like you said, which I do think is a gap that that needs to be filled. Um, so good on you. Yeah. I think the vision, like, I really appreciate you saying that. It's just, like, for me, it's been very simple, like, and all I'm doing is just copying and stealing stuff from other parts of the world <laughs> that I really like. Yeah. I'm really not, like, like um, doing anything really, like, crazy. I'm just, I, I think we're doing a good job of putting, like, the bits that we've seen that are good from around the world and, and created our way. And it's just our way. Mm-hmm. We just want other clubs to create their own way. And, um, and I think that's important, but you know, it's it's been simple to 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 understand what the layers of the cake are because I've 
you know, I've experienced them and I've been through them. And, you know, not, and don't get me wrong, like, when I was growing up, it was an absolute train wreck with my development. Um, but that's, in, 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 in many ways, that's made me understand how it could be done better. Right. Um, you know, so it's just, it's been, it's been, you know, really cool trying to put these, these visions and the, these ideas into place. And so super pumped about it. No, that's awesome. And, and you know, you, we, we talked about the youth system. We talked about, you know, sort of both of the adult teams that you have now. You talked a little bit about the facilities. Obviously, it feels like you have sort of this grand vision in your head. So really, you know, where would you like to see the Hotspurs organization in, say, five to ten years' time? Um, you know, I, I would just really like to be a place where, um, you know, like – it's almost like a, a, a soccer business from from top to toe, you know, like where we're, we're, you know, people can come to founders knowing that you can you can find levels and, and, and programs to suit, you know, all abilities. Um, you know, I really want to think outside of the box. So I, I, I really hope we can be, you know, a, a club where people are trying to use as a, as a model to create their own programs um, because, you know, you know, if you've got kids from, you know, A all the way to, to adult, I think it's sustainable to be able to have these adult, you know, these adult teams. But a lot of the adult teams to now, um, have, you know, they seem to want to separate themselves from a youth program just so that they would have more kids, you know, from other clubs come to support them, so to speak, like these standalone adult teams. And I'm, I'm not sure that's a, a very sustainable model for the for the future. So, uh, we're doing things on a shoestring, trust me. But I, I think um, I, what I'd like to, to to be seen as in the future is just uh, a club that have, have really um, put a model in place that can can you know can work in in, in the American uh, you know kind of ecosystem of soccer. That sounds great. Um, you know, obviously you're you're heading to the NPSL owners meeting. Is there anything exciting that you're hoping to? Uh here or you're expecting to learn while you're there that you can share with us um i think it's just it's just going to be totally different it's something i've never really experienced it's going to be nice seeing um all the different people that are running these programs and seeing what the challenges are and 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 trying to come up with uh you know you know solutions for for it i'm i'm a huge pro promotion relegation guy Mm -hmm. so you know, I, I I want to do everything we can to try and ensure that happens one day in in, in this country because we, you know, like I said before, we really want to be, you know, a power on the on the international scene in this country, and I, I just don't see a way that that can truly happen without promotion and relegation in um, in 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 the country. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, it's, that's that's all great stuff. Um, you know, obviously, we're going to be keeping our eyes glued to the site and news that's coming out about Hotspurs and sort of whatever it is that you're learning at the NPSL meeting. Um, you know, I don't want to take up too much of your time, Coach. You know, huge thanks again for joining us. Obviously, you're in the car. Have fun at the owner's meeting, and, you know, here's to a great offseason for Hotspurs, both the youth and, or, and pro and everything you guys have going on. I think it's I think it's fantastic. That's great. We're Just one last thing, if you don't mind, that we're going to be – starting to release our uh you know kickstarter style program uh to to help fund the the program for three different levels where you can you know buy a shirt from 
uh, all the way to purchasing, a, um, like getting your name included in the home and away kit. Oh, sweet. Um, so, you know, if anyone will support, you know, that, that program, that would be really appreciated. And, uh, yeah, that's all going to be launched and going out pretty soon. So, you know, we're excited about that. Oh, that's awesome. No, as, as soon as that's available, um, you know, we'll, we'll make sure that we keep an eye out for that and that we share the information because I think, again – so much of what we do is we try to support local soccer and it feels like what you guys have going on is something that's really unique. Um, you know, trying to grow it from the grassroots level, you know, all the way from youth up to pro, you know, we applaud what you guys are doing. So absolutely. As soon as, as soon as we see that comes out, we'll be happy to share it. And we encourage everybody to go out and, and participate in that Kickstarter as well. Well, thanks for the time for everything you're doing for the game. And, uh, you know, thanks for having us on. So look forward to the future. Absolutely. Thanks coach. Cheers, so yeah, great stuff from Coach Tomo. I had a really good time talking to him. Um, guys, was uh, anything anything new there that sort of piqued your interest, Josh? I know you you sort of listened to it. What would you think? Yeah, I, I thought it really was interesting because I I knew pretty much absolutely nothing about Hotspurs, uh, the Pittsburgh Hotspurs. Um, so in NPSL is like a semi pro, right? Like I'm not mistaken by that. They're not technically pro. It's more uh, the pipeline is U8 to U18, and then playing adults, right? Yeah. Okay, which is great. I mean, that is still something that you don't see much in American soccer right now. Is kind of like a pipeline or a just a, a way to play. Like I think he says in an interview uh, for uh, teenagers to play against adults in soccer. Mm-hmm. Like there's not really that that divide doesn't really have a gap or kind of like a bridge for that gap. And they're trying to provide that. And I also thought it was kind of funny that he, he mentions pro rel and how like he doesn't really see how Hotspurs can advance past that semi pro status um, for the NPSL team and the WPSL team until that happens. And it, it kind of coincides because uh, during the halftime for the USL championship game, uh, Champions game, champions. I can't remember what it was called. It whatever the cup yeah. game. Um, they uh, uh, the owner came on and was talking about how uh, they're working towards uh, pro rail for sure. And it's kind of like the first time we kind of heard you know definitive from USL. Like no, that we're we're trying to get pro rail. We're, we're on our way to that. So it was kind of like a almost like a statement made by him compared to like what you hear in MLS, which is like. No pro rail, no pro rail. <laughs> so it was kind of interesting. Yeah. No, I, I I thought it was awesome. Um, you know the the Kickstarter where you can sort of get your name on part of the design of the, zer- uh, the jersey is awesome. If you actually go to the Hotspur site now, I don't think you can actually donate yet, but you can see the different tiers. Um, and uh, yeah, definitely something. As soon as we know that that's available, we will absolutely share that out. And this isn't the end of what you've heard about Hotspurs moving forward. Um, some of you may remember uh, Nick Kolarak, who played for the Hounds a few years back. He's now the captain of the Hotspurs team. He's going to be joining us in on one of our episodes coming up here at the beginning of December to talk all about his experience there. And they're going to be having tryouts coming up. And so. Yeah, just just really, really cool stuff going on over there. Um, And we also want to talk to some of the players and and some of the people with the women's organization that we talked to with Steel City as well. Um, But one of the things that he did confirm um, that uh, I know was a big question was about Steel City FC and will they still be called Steel City FC or Hotspur? It's all Hotspur, but the cool thing is they talked about blending the Hotspur design with the Steel City FC design into a new sort of logo and look and feel, which I think is just, that's awesome. So... Yeah, you'll hear a lot more about Hotspurs moving forward. Um, 
Guys, the, the USL Championship is, season is over. The Real Monarchs beat Louisville 3-1 to last night. Um, Josh, is it a bad look having a two-team win at all? I'm not a huge fan, not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> I, I, it was kind of a Sophie's Choice type thing uh, going on for this because either A, Louisville won yet again for the third time in a row, and that kind of sucks, or B, you have an MLS2 team a Western NMSL2 team at that, uh, winning, which also I don't think is a great look for the league. Um, especially, like, if you look at... So we've talked about MLS2 teams and how there's a lot of good and, like, ways that they could improve the way that they work in ML- or USL. Uh, one thing would be having different branding, playing in a different city, uh, kind of treating them more like an organization, and then also a bunch of rule changes that would be nice to see so they have a more level playing field with uh, the regular USL teams. And with Monarchs, they, they kind of do part of that, I feel like, but they're still playing like 30 minutes away in uh, Utah. So it's, it's not like that's a huge difference in location. Uh, they are playing in a 5,000-seat stadium, which is nice to actually see them playing in a stadium that they have the potential to fill up. Granted, their average attendance this year was like 1,700, so they're not quite there, um, but that's still a better look. So it could be worse is what I'm saying. Yeah. Kev, what do you think? What's worse, a uh, two-team winning or a Louisville winning yet again? I mean, I, I think it's better for the league if Louisville wins um, for all the reasons that Josh just kind of went over about how it looks when a two-team wins uh, the second tier of of U.S. soccer. Um, and as much, yeah, it, it, as, much it would, as much as it would sting, I think we're all feeling that uh, pre-dinner wine you had, Mike. Um, <laughs> we can't talk. Uh, as much as it would sting for us watching Louisville win again, I think it's, I think it's better uh, for the league. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. And it's, I don't know. That's kind of my, my end of the discussion on it. I, and now all my focus turns to obsessing about Louisville again over the off season and how we can get one over on them next season. But, um, yeah, I, I, in a weird way, I wish Louisville would have won. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I'm not really sure how I feel about regardless. I mean, I think it was Laura Ellen and uh, Steve who sort of backed it up that like every tweet that I saw about the championship game being played just like made me nauseous and I just didn't want to deal with it. So, um, yeah, uh, whatever. I'm glad the season's over and we can move forward and <laughs> go from there. Um, guys, there were some awards that uh, that were given out. I think, first of all, so we kept saying sort of all season that if, if Kenny Forbes didn't make the USL first team, then you know, the USL front office clearly wasn't paying attention. So either they were listening or they were paying attention. In either case, good, because uh, both Kenny and Joe Greenspan were named to the USL first team, all team, um, which is fantastic. And then Nico Brett and Tommy V were both named to the second team, all team. So basically, you know, out of however many teams there are in the league, we had four players that made, you know, basically the top 22, um, which is awesome. I guess the question is, did the USL get it right? Is there anybody that uh, that you think got snubbed um, from the Hounds, Kev, that uh, maybe should have been on the team or wasn't? Or do you think that they nailed it? I mean, we're obviously biased because we get to watch these players. 
really closely. I don't know. I would almost speculate pr- we probably more closely than some of the USL officials that put this list together. I don't know. You know, I'd be surprised if if there's people who make this list who watched every second of, of a Hounds game. Um, I, I mean, look, our back line was incredible. I think Adewale had another very good season. I mean, I forget. I always forget how young he is. Um, he's like, what? He's like... 24 maybe um so i mean adewale's career has loads of potential still um and he's only going to get keep getting better i thought uh, jordan dover and ryan james were incredible for us this as far as wingbacks can go i can't think of much better ones in in the usl um i think it's maybe maybe it was something where they were kind of left out in the cold because we are a bit unique in the sense that we actually play we have wingbacks rather than fullbacks ryan james and jordan dover absolutely contribute to the attack and so and so they kind of get left in the middle where you know who how are you going to fit them in and all that kind of stuff but but no i i think i think those three in particular had really really good seasons maybe not necessarily first team um but but second team you know they they probably were knocking on the door for that and maybe maybe got a little unlucky for not getting in yeah Josh, is there, uh, is there anybody you think you got snubbed? No, I mean, I don't I don't think we could uh, ask for more players on the first team and the second team, so I feel kind of like for how many spots we have, uh, those are the people I would want to be recognized first. Um, so I, I can't really complain. Four spots in, yeah. in the first team and second team is a pretty good look for us, so... I, I do think some other players could have made it in, but I don't think it would be likely that they would give us more than four. I mean, you know, Mark Forrest is one who should have been in. Um, but secondly, <laughs> uh, I mean, I, like, is it though? Like, is is four? And I mean, we did finish first in the East, you know, and, and we were, you know, in a lot of people's consideration, the best team in USL going in the playoffs. And you know what we we lost four games all season unbeaten at home. I mean, so you can start rattling off these numbers, and I don't know from four it it almost feels like a minimum of how many players that we we had to get in there for a team for of of how good we were all season. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. If, like if I, it was I, three, I'd be upset. <laughs> but. I feel like the reason why I say it's a uh, kind of like the maximum I can imagine is because. This is still, you know, yes, it's, you know, the official from the league, but it's still kind of promotional type thing to, to showcase all their different teams. And, and they, they're going to want to showcase more than just the hounds. And, like, it's being realistic as what this is actually, you know, supposed to do, which is publicity yeah. for the teams and for the league yeah. as a whole. You're not going to get more than four, I don't feel like. Yeah, I was going to say, it's it's very politicized. Like, they want to have as much diversity across that lineup as they can so that all the teams can plug, yo, look, we had this player that was best in the league and get more tickets sold. And so, yeah, I think asking for more than four is, is difficult. Um, I, I just, I kind of feel like, I don't know, I feel like Toby keeps getting snubbed just because he's playing next to Greenspan. But That's fair. Yeah, I'm not saying yeah, that I mean, he I, I should be on first team or second team, but just in general. I didn't think Greenspan was significantly better than Toby all season. Like, I thought, like, maybe if you're forcing me to choose who had the better year out of the two defenders, maybe I'm picking Greenspan, almost purely by the numbers. What, Greenspan gets four goals, Toby gets one, two? Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I thought defensively they were they were pretty pretty even. Uh, so yeah, to to have Joe be up for Defender of the Year and uh, and Toby not even getting the second team is a little weird. I think yeah. if I remember right, the stats say otherwise as far as like how close they were. But I do think I I mean I have no complaints about Toby whatsoever. I I definitely am always happier to have him in the lineup than out of the lineup. Yeah, agreed. And Kev, you, you mentioned sort of the awards here. So in addition to, you know, we have players on the first team, second team, um, a number of the individual awards uh, were announced and we have players basically in the running for, I think, each position. So in this case, for league MVP, Kenny Forbes is up for that and the winner is going to be announced on Thursday. Joe Greenspan is up for Defender of the Year. This is second year in a row and the winner announced, the winner will be announced on Tuesday, which if you're listening to this, in the morning it's likely today kyle morton's up for keeper of the year which is also announced tuesday and then coach Lilly is up for coach of the year which his second year in a row of being up for it and that winner will be announced on wednesday guys um josh do you think any of those guys are actually going to win it who do do you think out of those four has the best chance to to walk away with a with some hardware I think Coach Lilly, um, just because of the competition for all these different positions. Greenspan, I, I think could, but I honestly don't know enough about the other team's defenders. So that's kind of like the, the position you hear least about. Uh, and I, I don't think Kyle Morton has it just because of the fact that Pickens is Pickens. And I feel like the league loves him and will always shower him with everything. So I'm guessing Pickens will get that one. Uh, but no, yeah, Coach no Lilly. No bitterness I, there at all. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Coach Lilly, I, I feel like he has a great success story this year, and, and just I I would feel more confident about his uh, status in this if he would have gone farther in the playoffs. But with that said, getting first place in the East and just the accomplishment compared to where the Hounds were two years ago when he took over, I, I do think that's a pretty big achievement. All right, so you're saying Lilly, Kev, which of those four do you think walks away with hardware, if any? I think I think it's Lilly too. I, I think. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I, I think Greenspan has a shot, but I don't know. I I, I think it, it's like I said. I, I mean, I wasn't even particular. Like I would, Greenspan wasn't my MVP for the Hounds this season. It, it was Kenny, and I just Kenny Kenny's in a category that's just a a bit more competitive. And I also, I don't know. I feel like what you'd rarely see, not rarely, but are they really gonna give league MVP to a, a midfielder? Like you have to be incredible for that to happen. Usually it goes, you know, top heavy to, to strikers. Um, so I think that that it's going to be a little tough for them. Um, but yeah, I think, so I think, you know, Lily probably has the best shot. Um, and I, yeah, I'd, I'd feel pretty good about that. Although, I mean, I will say Hackworth, uh, the, the manager for Louisville, I mean, look, a lot of us, kind of wrote Louisville off, um, not only at the beginning of the season, but how they were kind of, especially at the beginning in the middle part of the season, it, what we were considering, was Louisville even going to make the playoffs and blah, blah, blah. And and to have their team depleted as they were over the off season with a lot of their star players leaving um, and still get to the to the league final is, is pretty impressive. So um, I presume he's up for, I don't know who are the other nominees for, for, um, for, coach of the year but he he probably has a shout too 
Yeah, I don't know. Just because I feel like Hackworth, like it's almost like, hey, who screwed up the most and then recovered uh, just in time <laughs> to get farther in the playoffs? Uh, that's not the award. The award is for the whole season. So I, I feel like he kind of gets unfair there if it's like, well, you screwed up a lot at the beginning, but man, you uh, made that trip look like it was uh, not actually a fall. It was, uh, you know, on purpose. You didn't miss that last stare. It's all good. Like that's what yeah, it that, feels that, like yeah. you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's a really fair point. I guess then, no, it, from that context, I think then, yeah, you okay. I'll remove that part from my <laughs> argument and just say, you know, they were depleted over the summer, and no one thought they were gonna, you know, get to you know get to the final where they did, and they still did. Yeah, anyway, Lily should should still win. I'm just saying, you know, there, there's, a, there's a chance. Fair. My money on these four is going to be on Greenspan. I think this being his second year in a row, I think with the Hounds being the top team in the East, I think that the the league is going to sort of be compelled to, like we said, a lot of this is politicized. I think that they, they've got to throw something the Hounds way. And Kev, I think you're right. I think that as great as Forbes was, it's going to go to somebody who puts away more goals. Um, and I agree with the argument with Morton. I think they, they had to nominate him. Um, this is not to say he didn't have a good season. They had to nominate him because of he basically walked away with the shutout record um, in the league. He, the, he had the most shutouts in the league. Um, and so you can't not recognize that. We could do we can do a whole podcast on Morton because I think this situation is fascinating. Like the fact that he, you know, he gets that record, but I could still sit here, you know, a staunch Riverhound supporter. And honestly, like uh, – I don't. I'm not trying to bash Kyle Morton here at all. He's had a good season. He he gets a freaking record for, for God's sake. Um, but yeah, I, I never felt like he. I don't think we ever did like a podcast and I said, you know what, Kyle Morton won us that game. Like he 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 made three incredible saves, kept us in the game. We ended up winning from it. I can't really remember too many times that season, uh, or this past season, where he, you know, he's done that for us. And yeah, I think in those scenarios, it's. To then go on and win keeper of the year would be weird, but yeah, it's it's hard in a Lily system because a Lily system yeah. is great defending and it's almost a blessing and a curse to be a keeper in a Lily system because it's a blessing because you you do get these shutouts over and over again and you do have to work for it, but it, it's it's one of the situations where you kind of get overlooked a lot because you are you know behind great defense and yeah. if it's getting to you, there's been a, an issue in our defense and that's not okay for lily so it, it's yeah. almost like <laughs> yeah i can see it be kind of rough but also kind of nice yeah that's why my money's on greenspan i i i would put the odds at better than 50 percent for him to win it in my mind um so you we'll see Lily's i mean obviously <sighs> do you, do you what I, you think you think the league just hates lily <laughs> I, I don't know if the league hates lily i just feel like lily is not the sexy pick. And I feel like, again, in, so, in a league that's you. like, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I feel like in, in, again, a league that's, that's overly politicized they're they're I don't see them awarding more than one award to a team. Um, like I don't see the hounds getting two of these. Um, you know, some would say they don't see them getting one, just getting nominated is enough, which, you know, that, that's a whole nother argument in and of itself. But Yeah. I think could should he win it? I think he should. Um, but I, 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 like I said, if I'm if I'm taking a bet out of the, out of these four, I'm, I'm betting on Joe getting Defender of the Year. Fair. So, yeah. 
So that's what we think. Obviously, we'll know soon enough, um, potentially today, depending on when you're listening to this. So um, really cool stuff, and, and definitely uh, keep an eye out for, for that news. Guys, there were some uh, rumors floating around that we could hear player announcements or kit announcements soon. So I'm just going to throw it to you. This is pure speculation at this point. We don't know anything. But um, who's going to be the Hounds' first signee of 2020? Josh, who do you think? Pick a player. Who's it going to be? Forbes. Forbes? Yeah. Okay. Any reason? No, I just feel like that's a pretty safe bet. <laughs> I think if uh, Forbes, or I think Lily's going to want Forbes back. I don't think Forbes is going to want to like leave Lily. So it's one of the situations where th- that makes sense to me. That's interesting because like I, I feel like Forbes will be back. But whether or not Forbes is the first signing. But you bring up the interesting what, what, point pre- of like... Kev. Go ahead, Mike. <laughs> I was kidding. Uh, you bring up the interesting point of like, you know, he's Lily's guy. He's getting up there in age. Like, is he really going to like sit around and wait to go somewhere else? Or is this just like, yeah, I'm coming back. Like, sure, I'll do it. Yeah, I don't see him playing hardball being like, no. And be like, oh, all right. Like, crap. I mean, yes. <laughs> like, that's the, I feel like that's the negotiation there. <laughs> yeah. Well, wouldn't they just announce all of the returning players at one time that's much more likely i bet you we get like a group announcement not just like yeah. one person so you're so you right, guys are cheating but, by yes. saying forbes you can't say no forbes. he's not no. che- cheating is say saying all of them. <laughs> yeah well last year last year i'm trying to remember they didn't announce like all of them i think they announced like three or four players or they would do it in like chunks so even though these guys have an option, they still go back and they negotiate for the option and then potentially sign them for a year. For the option, option, yeah. But I thought last year, they yeah, they said, okay, this this batch of players are all coming back. They did. Like, we're not they releasing. did. But the whole yeah. point, though, is like, I, I okay, fine. I think Forbes will be in that first batch of players. There we go. Kev? Well, and my point is there's going to be a lot of players in that first batch of players. Oh, <laughs> oh surprise. How do I, doesn't want to play how the do game I mute Kevin's microphone? Can I do that from here? No. So, so look, I'll, I'll interpret this a bit more wildly uh, and say, what? There, there's what? been, I, I like to say, I like to say speculation on Twitter, but it's really just driven by like us or people who are close to the Mongols community who are saying this stuff. Um, but what already like Libo Maloto and uh, and Francois are, are kind of names being tossed around that we've seen before and both I'm pretty sure what are out of contract um and I don't see and either it, one that's it, happening why not because they already played for the team and left like I don't like would you like if you're like let's say like a you know Francois for example like Lily already said no to you once like but he did like we re-signed Francois, and and and, yeah, and know, someone we, paid the money for him. Yeah. Yeah, we traded his rights away to Ottawa, though. Like. Yeah, but it was, but what? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I mean, he was his option was picked up. Like he was coming back. It was. Lily didn't. I don't know. His option was picked up to sell. Like it, it wasn't yeah. like I like I. It doesn't mm. feel like that was like oh his option was picked up. It felt like hey if we pick up your option we can get money for this guy. Yeah. I interpret yeah. that differently, but okay. <laughs> <Fair>. <laughs> And I then when it, and I think notion of reality, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I and then the whole like Liba Maloto thing. I mean, look, it, it was a whole different club. It was a whole different regime when Maloto left, and now that you know Lily's here, we're 
first in the East. We beat out his, you know, Nashville team, who at the beginning of the season everyone was tipping to to run away with it. Um, yeah, that's a possibility too. But anyway, th- those are two interesting names that has popped up in the Twitter sphere um, that I think would be interesting to to come around. So let me ask you this. Okay, well, first of all, I guess to answer my own question, I think Tommy V is going to be the first one signed. Um, I feel like that's sort of Lily's guy, and and it's. I feel like that to me feels like the most comfortable. Just like, oh yeah, he's coming back. No big deal. Um, but you guys sort of talking about well, Kev, you started talking about other players, and something that I thought was interesting was when we played Louisville, and I obviously I didn't I was too bitter after the loss that I didn't watch Louisville the rest of the way. But anytime I saw highlights, it was always Ownby, 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 and it feels like Louisville really didn't have a ton other than Ownby. Like, Ownby was the one who caused all the problems with us. He was causing all the problems in games before that. And it got me thinking, do the Hounds need a player like an Ownby or an Asante in Phoenix who, you know, in, in, in other leagues, you might have a star player, but the quality across the rest of the field doesn't allow that star player to be the impact game in and game out and decide games for you and the usl feels like it could be a slightly different beast in that if you do have a player that is of that star quality then they do have the potential to greatly impact things where if the rest of the team is like a b b or a b plus if you have yourself an a or an a plus player that makes your team on average like an a minus Whereas, you know, anywhere else, if you're a B team and you have an A-plus player, that might make your team a B-plus, um, if that analogy works at all. So the question is, is do you think that the Hounds need a player like an Ownby or an Asante that's going to be a big name in the league that, you know, Lily very much is like the team is the one that scores all the goals and things like that. But when you look at sort of what teams end up making runs and doing things, Often it's these teams that might have these star players that are these different make difference makers that are maybe a, a little bit above the USL and, and sort of play that way. Do you think the Hounds need a player like that or need to target a player like that to sort of get over this hump and get to the next level? Kev, what are your, what are, you don't have to name names of players, but do you think that the Hounds need a star player like that? Or is it always going to be the team is the star? I think I, I agree with your assessment how I think generally that's how the league operates, um, where a, a star, like a single star player can push you over the edge. Um, but I, I, I don't think it necessarily works in uh, Lily's system. And so I think Lily's system is still king. And it's it would be, I would say it's it would be unusual for him to almost kind of build a side around a player, which I don't know. I mean, I... I I don't want to put uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it I th- feel like nine times out of ten when you do have a player that everyone recognizes is the best player for you on the pitch, you kind of have to not have to, but you most often build your team around that person. You 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 do everything you can to get the most out of that player, and and allow that carry that player to to carry you. And I just I don't think yeah I just I don't I don't see Lily doing that. Um, so I look and at the end of the day, I'm always for getting better talent in the forward positions. So I think that that absolutely helps. You can't coach how to finish. 
right? I mean, that's you hear brilliant managers all around the world talking about that all the time. Is I can I can get you to the eighteen yard box. After that, it's up to you. Um, and and so yeah, I'm all I'm all for that. But I think Lily's system, it, it's tough to have because like even you know if you look at our squad. I, I mean, through the Steel Army voting and through the MVP announcement with with uh, Forbes, I think we all generally agree Forbes is the best player. But I don't like, you know, he's he's a midfield general. He's in the middle of it all, kind of orchestrating it. And I wouldn't say he was like clearly head and shoulders better than everyone on it. You know, he was he was good. He was better. But and so I think it works in that in that in that way. So I don't know. I don't I don't see it happening. But talent and forward positions, I'm always for. Josh, what do you think? Yeah, it's interesting because I, I do think we need someone who is reliable for goals, and that is a big deal. But what you're talking about is a little bit different because I don't even think it's necessarily that we need – it's it's almost a, a club thing versus a coach thing. I do think that for this club to get over the hump as far as, like, attendance and notoriety and that kind of stuff, a star player would go a long way. Someone that the club can advertise around and, like, kind of, you know, touts about having and and making waves with. And if that person was scoring a lot, that would be great and all that kind of stuff. Um, But as far as what we need to win, I don't think we need that. I think we just need someone who can consistently score or a couple people who can consistently score uh, enough to to make the deficit of goals that we need. So it's it's two questions in my mind and they have different answers. I mean, that's a really good point about what's good for the club and bringing up attendance, because I think you're right. I think there there's an appetite in Pittsburgh for it. I think yeah. it, you you can look at a lot of different soccer markets around the U.S. and make the argument that look, anytime you bring in a, a notable name, it'll always impact the attendance positively. But I, you know, now you're you're talking about kind of like how like how much like positivity, and and I think yeah, there's we've seen from the playoffs, we've seen from chat on, on like Twitter when we went into the playoffs and, and attendance records, you know, 35% increase over the course of the season uh, and attendance, you know, yeah, there's an appetite for soccer in, in Pittsburgh. And so, yeah, if you, if you build it, they will come. If you bring the big name, they will come. And I think, yeah, that, that would be pretty cool for the club. It's very interesting that you guys both sort of landed there. Cause that sort of segues nicely into the next topic here. I found a random article um, that uh, I don't know how it even came up in my newsfeed, but anyway, uh, the Courier Journal, which I think is based out of Louisville, they they put together an article that said Louisville is holding the blueprint to how soccer can survive and thrive in America, and a lot of the the article was around the the stadium, and so I'm just gonna read sort of a quick segment here, and then just sort of you know think about what this means for the Hounds. But the quote was, "It's very difficult, if not impossible, for a club to truly thrive without its own stadium." Having home venue is the foundation on which a sustainable professional sports organization is built. It's the epicenter of a club's strength and support. It's why the stadium nearing completion in Butchertown is of greater lasting significance than Lou City's quest for a third straight USL title. Whether it's ever expanded to accommodate an MLS team, Lynn Family Stadium underscores an old adage, if you build it, they won't leave. USL President Jake Edwards toured the stadium site Friday and afterwards called it the showpiece stadium in our league. 
I think this will be a catalyst for the next phase of growth in the league, he said. Most of the teams that have built soccer-specific stadiums have built in the 6,000 to 8,000 range. We have one or two that are getting close to this. We've got some impressive stadiums at the 10,000 seat mark, but I think this is at another level. Guys, we've talked about, um, Kev, I think you you most prominently have talked about sort of the, the class of the East moving forward. And obviously with the Hounds winning the East this year over Louisville, even though Louisville went further in the playoffs, we've sort of left our mark of saying, you know, we're here. Um, but again, the Hounds have a 5,000-seat stadium. As this league continues to grow and evolve and change, Louisville is not going to be the last team that we see that builds a 10,000-seat stadium or anything like that. Do you think that Louisville building a 10,000-seat stadium now puts pressure on the Hounds if they want to be seen as like this class of the league to do something with a, I'm not saying this season, I'm not even saying next season, but is this putting pressure on the hounds to say, you know what? Like, yeah, now we need to go big and either build a bigger stadium or add on to Highmark or do something drastic to be seen as that class of the league again. I, I agree that these sort of actions um, speak volumes as far as notoriety and attention, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff. I agree puts pressure on us as a club, but I, I'll kind of stick by what I've said previously is this needs to be a very managed growth. It needs to be a very slow and sustained growth. I think one of the worst things we could do is immediately jump from what 5k now to 10k and have people, you know, driving by on the other side of the river and seeing mainly an empty stadium. Um, I think that would be bad. And so, it it needs to, you know to to have to have people shoulder to shoulder with while watching the game isn't a bad thing. Um, so I I agree that like maybe like I don't five hundred more seats you know, over the off season would be great and and kind of doing that season on season so that in in four or five years time we're closer to ten k and throughout that entire period we're consistently hitting the seventy five percent you know capacity numbers or whatever. Um, I think that would be best. I don't know. Is, is there also something to say about even for a short period? Because I know in the long term, you, you end up kind of shooting yourself in the foot here. But is there something to say about like exclusivity? Like, oh, man, I couldn't get a hound ticket or something like I don't know. Like in like that's that's kind of an interesting idea is is to actually start building up like, yeah, the, the I don't know, specialness of no, I, I got I got a hound's ticket. Yeah. Like, so I don't know. I think that, that that's something to say, too. But but yes, I think it puts pressure. Louisville going out and making this statement um, the way they did. I think it puts pressure on us as a club where we have to keep mo- moving forward. And I think just what moving forward for us currently in our stage of development as a club is maybe slightly different than what it is for Louisville. But but yeah, we have to we have to kind of respond in, in a similar way. I mean, you know, looking at the renderings, looking at sort of the progress they made, Louisville Stadium is going to be a beautiful stadium. Like, hats off to them. I think it's going to be great. Josh, where do you stand on this? Like, I, I'm, I'm torn because I totally agree with the adage of, like, you know, build slow. But I also know that from a marketing standpoint, to be able to say, hey, the Hounds just went from 5,000 to 10,000. Like, that makes more noise in Pittsburgh than saying, oh, they, they added 500 more seats or whatever it may be. It's, it almost feels like the whole, you know, climate change debate where it's like nobody really pays attention because it's like out there in the future as opposed to like if it hit right now, everyone would be like, oh, crap. So where do you stand on this whole like stadium thing? And, you know, do you grow quickly or grow slowly? 
Uh, I, I say put your blinders on. Don't give a crap about what Louisville's doing. Give a crap about what's going on in Pittsburgh and grow the way you need to for Pittsburgh. Because there's, I, I just think of Rochester. I think of all these other clubs that have come and gone. And they have like built giant stadiums, or relatively giant for their times. And then, you know, they, they are empty and it looks sad and pathetic. And then they go under. So I, I don't want to see that. And what I would rather see is us not give a crap about Louisville build our stadium to capacity that we need it to be. I would like to see around 75% full before we even think about uh, expanding it. Um, and it's not even a subtle expansion. Like if we have a couple of years where it's, it's packed. Okay. That's fine. That's not going to hurt anything. Yeah. Um, so let it, let that happen for a while. And then, you know, make a bigger stadium. Like maybe you wait until you can expand it to a, a hefty size more like a thousand two thousand more seats and then you you, you do it all over again where you, you kind of wait until that's pretty much full and even if it is getting capacity for some games that's fine and then do it again where you expand another two thousand seats or whatever like i don't i don't want to see us try to keep up with the neighbors you know what i mean like it doesn't matter what car they have it just uh, if you're if yours gets you to the to, to work you're fine so I feel like that's better mentality to have for this league. And we're in a good spot. We're in a better spot than most teams because we own yeah. the stadium. We own the land. We're, we're able to have other things happen at that stadium when the Hounds aren't playing that will bring in revenue and the parking lot revenue. It's like, like there's a lot going good for the Hounds right now. So I don't, I don't think it's a situation where we should be envious of any other team in the league. Josh, let me ask you this. Are we at the point where you think the Hounds should consider expanding this offseason? No. I, I feel like we need at least another two seasons of consistently filling up that stadium before we do anything. Um, if anything, uh, don't expand the seating. Expand the concessions. Expand the you know point-of-sales places. Like Make it so it is a more enjoyable experience for game day. And, uh, yeah, worry about that first before you worry about expanding any more seats. Yeah. Well, I guess we will find out soon enough because uh, we announced it in Discord next week. Hounds owner Tuffy Schallenberger is going to be joining us on the show, and we'll be asking a lot of these same questions to him about sort of the plans in the offseason for both the team and the the stadium and the front office and all of that, just trying to get a sense of, you know, what's going on in this crazy part of the season that we need to name. So, again, if you have an idea, send it to us. And if you have any questions for Tuffy, send them over as well. Uh, the Steel Army sent us a bunch on Discord, which uh, really, really thankful for. If you're not part of the Steel Army Discord, go become part of the Steel Army Discord because there's a <laughs> lot of great conversation that goes on in there. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely something to look forward to for next week. Uh, as I mentioned, we've got a bunch of other guests that we're already lining up for December. Um, it, it, this is a great crazy part of the season i i almost no i'm not gonna say that i enjoy this part of the season as much as the rest of the season but i feel like at least at this part of the season this gives us time to sort of sit back talk to people get more insight whereas once we're in the thick of the season it's just like every week is like we got, we got games to talk about we gotta analyze games and stuff and here we can sort of sit back and learn more about what's going on so if there's somebody that you'd like us to talk to as well let us know because we will have a few weeks here and there where we can try to squeeze people in um, but for the most part, we've got a lot of stuff planned, um, and it's it's just going to be a lot of fun. Guys, uh, anything else that you got for this one? No, I'm good. Cool. Kev, you you okay over there? You good? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. All right, we're good. I'm looking we'll forward work. to the interview next week. It'll be good. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's always fun having Tuffy on. So 
We're good. Hopefully you're good. Thank you guys for listening, and thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer, custom scarves, your group of team at roughneckscarves.com. Thanks again to Pittsburgh Hotspurs uh, and sending over Coach Tom out to talk, as we said. We'll be talking to Nick Colorock in a few weeks, talking to somebody from the women's team as well, so really cool stuff. Make sure you head over, check out their site. Like I said, um, I don't think the sponsorship is up. The sponsorship stuff is up there yet, but uh, you can sort of see what the packages include, and there's some really, really cool stuff. We might try doing something cool with that as well, so keep a hot, keep an eye out for that. You can follow us on Twitter, Mongols, you know all of that. iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, wherever you listen to podcasts, go subscribe to the show, leave us a review. Otherwise, let us know what you thought about this one. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you very, very soon. Cheers. Later.